Schizo Jets here. Uh, recap UFC 282. Um, pretty good card, even though like I wasn't the most excited about this card. I can't lie because, I mean, after they lost Glover versus Yuri and a couple other fights fell through, it really was like Robbie Lawler. I was looking forward to him and Ponzinibbio. That was going to be a good one. That fell through. So I wasn't the most excited about this card. But actually, the first 10 fights delivered. I mean, they were all finishes. It was the co-main and the main where that's where they weren't the most exciting fights. And also, they had some controversy on both of them. So we'll talk Patty first. Patty the baddie against Jared Gordon, Flash Gordon. Was a good fight. I mean, first round, I mean, Jared came out, I mean, and I got to say, he looked great. I mean, was Patty robbed? I mean, what? I mean, was his the decision a robbery in the favor for Patty? Everyone, the general consensus, everyone thinks it was a robbery for sure. I mean, it was a close fight. I remember watching it live. I thought first and second round were Gordon. Third round, well, second round, actually, I thought <clears throat> might have been the one that you could have scored for Patty. First round, I thought was Gordon because he was landing that left hook over and over and popping uh, Patty's head back and got a takedown at the end of the, end of the round. Towards the end, held him down for a bit. Patty had a tough time getting up. Um, so that was a... That I think the first round was a little bit. I still think it was in Jared's favor. Like I seen the Weasels breakdown where like he tallies up all the strikes that landed from both fighters in the fights, and it was really close. It was, you know, it was only a couple of strikes here and there, but I just felt like with the takedown and Jared landing a couple of harder shots, you know, to Patty. Yeah, I think he probably took that first round. Second round, I, that was the one where I was watching live even. I thought Patty probably could have took that one because he landed a few more shots in that round. A couple heavy shots. Third round, not a lot happened. And this is where, like, in the post-fight press conference, Dana was really critical on Jared Gordon's, on his approach and his game plan for that third round, his strategy. Because for, I would say, more definitely more than half the round, like three minutes of the round. I remember even watching it my wife. I was like what's going on here break these guys up they're basically jared was gordon was uh holding patty against the cage for so he had a lot of control time that round for more than half the round but uh as we know now and the argument for that uh, patty's bringing and you know just kind of the way to score fights now is a little different now they're going for more damage trumps all so even if it is a you know a control time, you know, Randy Couture type situation where there's holding you up in the cage and dirty boxing you and doing all that. If there's not a lot of damage done, then it doesn't mean as much. And Patty was landing some harder shots that round. I, I, I still don't know the numbers on that final round as far as strike count. The first two were close. So, I mean, robbery, I mean, I've seen worse fights. My, I think for sure Jared Gordon won that fight. I was thinking that, like I said, after the, when I first seen it, I, f I felt for sure, you know, uh, Jared won this fight. It was like, damn, that's Patty's first loss. Then when they read the decision, I was like, what the fuck? Like, first thing I was thinking was robbery. No way. That was, there was no way he won that fight. But, I mean, when you think it, look at all the strike counts and totals and damage done, I mean, it, it just depends on what these judges are looking for. If they're, If damage truly trumps all, I mean, is that... It's like, how are they measuring that? That's the one question I have. Are they measuring damage by, like, cosmetic, like how it looks, like who's busted up, who's got cuts and bruises? Are they looking at damage, just physical, like, reaction to strikes landing, 
from the fighters. I mean, so it's kind of, it still is a judgment call, and I don't know what exactly each judge is looking for in that or how they know. And I think they just need more experience. They need to know what what is a heavy strike, what's a medium strike, you know, what's a, a not just a jab or a, a lighter strike, um, leg kicks, what do they score, takedown attempts, you know, all this stuff needs to have some type of value that we the fans can just know, all right, well, that was this many points, that's that many points, because it's really hard to tally up all this, and it's just a judgment call at the end of the day, your opinion, who did more damage, what, Patty's face looked clean at the end of the fight, Jared a little, a little bit more busted up, does that mean Patty did more damage, the shots that he landed hurt more, I mean, one guy could bleed more, I mean, Nate, the Diaz brothers come into the cage, and they get cut immediately a lot of, in most of their fights, you know, they have all, so much scar tissue, so it doesn't take a whole lot to open up cuts. So I don't know what you guys think. Was it a robbery? I mean, I kind of think it was in some case. I mean, I know that word gets thrown around a lot, robbery, every time it's a close fight and we don't agree with the decision. But um, in this case, I, I, I honestly, when I first watched it, I thought it was 30-27 Gordon. You know, but I also thought that maybe the second round could go to Patty because he seemed like he, he was landing a little bit better than he was in the first round he was more on the receiving end i thought in the first round even though the strike counts were really similar and overall patty landed five more significant strikes or like heavy strikes i guess than jared throughout the fight but i mean the telling fights that i seen i mean the telling punches and strikes in the first round were jared popping patty's head back and so it was, i mean i don't know <clears throat> like i said i'd have to rewatch this fight i haven't watched it since it was live but when I first thought it was 30-27, so I was thinking robbery, too. I go, man, that was bullshit. You know, they're just trying to build this kid and all that. But also that maybe if he goes against tougher competition, then he's not going to make it. But honestly, that kind of takes away from Jared because Jared looked good. That was the best Gordon's looked in a while. And coming from a really good team, you know, Henry Hooft, Ernesto Hoof, all these guys, I mean, he's got some good guys who in training, you know what I mean? So... He has a really good team behind him, and he came out hungry. I felt he looked really hungry, the best he's looked in a while. So I wouldn't want to take any away from Jared. So that kind of does suck to be, like, on the receiving end of that. But it's like Dana White says, man. He hasn't, like you said, he hasn't given that speech in a long time, but you can't leave it in the hands of the judges. You got to go for it. And I get what why Dana was a little pissed in that third round because – Jared's acting like I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure Jared was confident going in the third round thinking he won the first two, especially the first, which two of the judges gave to Patty. And that just made no sense because there was a takedown. I mean, his head got popped back. Jared definitely landed um, the heavier shots in the first round, in my opinion. That was a fight I saw anyway. I mean, I'm not judging it like, oh, this counting every strike. I, you have to go back and watch that. But just the consensus of it, like Patty looked like he was – you know, he was having some problems in there the first round. So I could see how you might want to coast in the third, but also this is another thing about the open scoring thing. You know what I mean? Open scoring needs to happen, in my opinion, because these guys got to know. And if they took their foot off the gas, that's when you bring in a yellow card. That's when you penalize them for stalling. But, I mean, I'm not saying you got to go balls to the wall for three rounds, all gas, but you got to at least go for it in the third and not just think you're coasting to a victory. Because you never know with these judges, especially right now, because there is no open scoring. Nobody knows what's going on. Nobody knows what these guys are looking for. So, so I mean, I just personally, I just, I think we need open scoring. 
you know, maybe Jared sees that, oh, damn, it is a 1-1, you know, at this point. It's a tied-up fight going into that third. Maybe he doesn't just hold Patty against the cage. Maybe he tries to get more takedowns. Maybe he tries to just open up a little more. I mean, so I just, I just think this, this is another fight, classic case where we need that. <clears throat> but uh, I don't know what you guys think. Was it a robbery? I mean, I, I, I tend to say yes in this case just because, like I said, Jared, that was the best he looked in a while. And uh, he definitely, you know, like he brought it. You know, that first two rounds, he brought it. First round for sure, he was all over Patty and um, – Patty the fatty, Patty the batty. I mean, I, uh, I don't know. I don't know what's gonna. I don't know what's next for these guys, especially for Patty. He's gonna have to get up. You know, obviously get stiffer competition because he's moving up in the ranks. But that was not the most impressive performance by him, and I can see why Daniel was mad. Like I said, like if you're not gonna go for it in the third round, at least Patty was trying whenever there was opportunity. But that does that win you the round? Because like, even if you're like he's he was real critical of uh, Jared Gordon holding Patty against the cage, but what about on the other end of that when Patty's just his back to the cage? So, I mean, both guys, yeah, they kind of shit the bed on that last fight. The last two fights, kind of. I mean, like there was some exciting moments, but but yeah, I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. I think yeah, that definitely Jared Gordon won that fight. There's no way Patty won that fight in my eyes, in my opinion. But hey, the judges are gonna judge. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. This isn't our first time we've been here and having this conversation where what's up with these freaking scorecards. So, yeah, we'll see what's up. What's next? Is the hype train over? Is he done? Are they going to have to give him a more favorable matchup next time? I mean, this kind of was a pretty good matchup for him, you know, on paper. But like I said, Jared did look good. He came out He came out to fight, and he, he was hungry. So, yeah, that was that fight. And then uh, <clears throat> that was a co-main. Then we get to the main event where – this was a replacement fight because it was supposed to be originally uh, Glover Teixeira and Yuri uh, Prohokvich. Uh, <laughs> I know I didn't say that right. I butchered it. But Glover and Yuri were supposed to have their rematch for their title fight that was in the summer. Yuri pulled out a, a horrible injury to his shoulder. So uh, that was canceled. And then Glover was offered to step in on short notice to fight Ankolaev because he already beat Jan in a first rounder, made it look easy. You know, uh, ground and pound, tapped him or TKO. I can't remember exactly, but he finished him first round. So Glover was like, yeah, if it was for Jan, he could definitely fight him. He fought him before, he trained for him, but he would need more time for uh, for Ankolaev, who is a totally different Dagestani style wrestler. And who's actually pretty fast for a heavy heavyweight as far as the striking style, but uh, so the UFC wasn't down for that, and he was right. He just wanted to fight. This is the irony in this because he wanted to fight in next month, basically. I think it is, or yeah, I believe in January at the Brazil card, one UFC one eighty three, and he was turned down for that. So they went ahead with this fight, Jan and and Ankalaev. Um That's kind of the reason I wasn't so excited about this fight you know this or this card i should say this pay-per-view kind of felt more like a fight night as far as like the undercard everyone came and performed i mean there were some awesome fights like i'll get back to that in a little bit like Ilya tapuria bryce mitchell i was really excited for that fight and that fight it really just didn't disappoint as far as Ilya tapuria it just shows how great you know and how much potential he has but like i said i'll get into that later um, back to the main event, Jan, I mean, he came out. They both came out in the first round, a little filling out process. Jan started early with the leg kicks, 
kind of throwing um, inside leg kicks, even shin to shin. That's what they kept mentioning that over and over again. Like he just didn't care what damage he was doing to his own leg by throwing those, but he was throwing them out there. And and Ankalai wasn't really checking him; he was just eating them. You know, he's a wrestler, so it's a little top, you know, front heavy, a little heavy on the lead leg. But he's pretty quick. He was throwing some nice teeps. And I think with this fight, it, you know, with the distance, obviously it was a controversial decision. We all know. Um, but that first round is, to me, the ta most telling round of that fight because that was a close fight. I mean, a close round. <clears throat> Could have went either way. Leon had his moments with the striking. Not a whole lot happened, nothing devastating. Ankalaev was throwing a lot of teeps to the body, front kicks, you know, showing some speed <clears throat> over and over, just digging his toes right into that body. So, I mean, that was a tough fight, too, a tough round to score. At the end of it, I was thinking Ankalaev edged him, you know, when I was watching. But, I mean, it was it was really close. It, it really could have probably went <clears throat> either way. You know, it wasn't really, like, nothing dominant happened from either fighter. And the second and third round is when Jan really turned up the heat on the leg kicks, both inside and outside um, leg kicks, and uh, really did a lot of damage noticeable damage to Ankalaev where he was at one point I thought the fight was going to be stopped just or he was going to not be able to continue because Jan would land a kick and he would stumble or he would almost fall down and and just keep his balance and switch stances and he just looked like he was in some serious trouble there for even finishing the second and third round honestly but that to Ankalaev's credit he was able to because he wasn't able to really get takedowns up until that point he didn't like shoot crazy like he wasn't shooting like recklessly or crazy or, you know, he was just kind of just, it was like a, the first couple of rounds, it seemed like he wasn't really going there until it got, became desperation desperation mode for him when he was just eating so many leg kicks where he was having a tough time just standing. He was lipping around the octagon. The aesthetics of that does not look good. Like, he actually did a, not a bad job in the third round, but I think a, a judge or two might have gave him the third round. I have to look at scorecards again. But honestly, the, as far as if you're going by damage, you got to be consistent and Jan had to take those rounds just because of the damage that he did to Ankalaev's legs. He was just, you know, he was chopping them down. And he threw a couple of nice body kicks. Like, Jan was starting to get his timing, I think, pretty well. Second round, third round. And Ankalaev, you could tell after that, I mean, he was going to have a tough time standing. It, it, uh, like I said, I thought the fight was going to be over. Like, oh, it's pretty much done. Jan's going to be champ. I can't believe this. It's crazy. Then Ankalaev turned on and finally turned on the wrestling turn on his wrestling and started getting his t got Jan's got Jan down and was able to kind of just hold him down didn't do a whole lot of damage on, on top but the last two rounds especially the fifth was probably I think a judge the tying judge because it was a split draw one for Ankalaev one for Jan and one a split I think it was a 10-8 round in the fifth which did make sense because he took him down early held him down the whole time didn't do a whole lot of damage but still just basically dominated the round. Jan didn't do much. I think he had an injury or something he might have had in that round. And so he wasn't able to really do much but kind of survive in that round. So, I mean, ultimately, a lot of people thought this fight was a robbery as well. Like, the two last decisions were iffy and crazy. And who wants to draw when this is actually for an interim title fight, title bout? And uh, that's kind of what happened here. So we have a draw. We still don't have a champ for for the light heavyweight division. So... Dana in the post-fight, I'll get back to the decision in a minute, but Dana in the post-fight announces, 
you know, because he's just pissed off. You know, he was he was bored with the fight after the third round. It was pretty good, at decent action up until the third, and then after that, fourth and fifth, it was Ankalaev just basically controlling him on the ground, kind of made it a more boring fight tactically. But he had to do what he had to do because his legs were compromised. So he had to do what he had to do to win the fight. That's what he thought he had to do, and it was very close. I mean, I I can't say robbery. I think a lot of people are just throwing that word around like every close fight now, but. I feel like it wasn't a robbery. Like, I could see a draw happening. You know, it kind of depends on how, that first round. Like, two and three, I feel like you have to get it on just for the damage to the legs that he caused. And four and five were, you know, undoubtedly Ankalaya's rounds because he dominated on the ground. So the, the fifth round, you know, could be 10-8, could be 10-9, whatever, but he definitely won the round. So it all goes down to the first round. You know, like... A couple judges, I think, gave uh, Jan all three of the first rounds. So with that being said, then that kind of does show that the draw makes sense, or even Jan, you know, winning, depending on how you score that fifth round, 10-9 or 10-8 for Ankalaev. But I, I kind of think that, I mean, I don't know. It was a close round. Like I said, when I first watched it, I thought Ankalaev pulled out the first round, like he edged it out a bit. But, I mean, if you score that for Jan, then I could see a draw. You know I mean? It does make sense. Which, like I said, it sucks. It, it leaves the title in limbo. So we thought anyway, for not too much longer. So at first, my first thought was, damn, Glover's really going to have to wait now. Because if they're going to rematch this for the title again, and then Glover's going to have to f face the winner, then maybe he could get it back before Yuri comes back. But Dana throws in. Usually he doesn't He like to discuss future fights right after on uh, fight night especially but he uh he was so annoyed and pissed off about that last fight and how these guys kind of didn't go for the finish at the end the last couple rounds and he basically awarded or announced uh Glover Teixeira versus Jamal Hill next month in Brazil and Jamal Hill if you if you know those who follow Jamal Hill was supposed to fight Anthony Smith on that card which Personally, I was looking forward to that fight. I was, I, I like Jamal Hill. Anthony Smith kind of been bugging me lately. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't always like to root for fights like that, but I kind of wanted to see Jamal Hill hopefully knock out Anthony Smith, but that's on hold now. Now Jamal Hill's stepping up, and he's getting a title shot. I think he was ranked sixth, fifth or sixth in the division right now, so he's jumping up quite a bit. But uh, that's that fight's going to be fireworks. But... Anthony Smith, I guess, found out about it during the broadcast. And uh, I haven't totally seen his whole reaction on that. I just read the headline on that. But he, I guess, I mean, how would you feel if, like, you think you're fighting next month against, you know, Jamal Hill trying to get back on track or whatever he, he thinks going to happen with that fight. And all of a sudden you're finding out, well, you just got stepped over and you got shoved out of the way. And now Jamal Hill's going for that title. It wouldn't make sense for Anthony Smith, I think he's four and four in his last eight, lost his last one with an injury to his leg. So I don't think it would make sense for him to get that title shot. So but he got announced that he's already in training, training camp, everything for Jamal Hill. So unless they find him another opponent, I don't know if he'll do that short notice thing or not. He might just be hung out to dry. I'm sure the UFC will take care of him paying for this inconvenience. But um that fight is fireworks, so Jamal Hill and uh Glover. Because Glover, I think, has definitely has more ways to win. Like, he could 
because he has good wrestling. He has Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. He has really good boxing, tight, clean boxing, you know, good defense and all that. But Jamal Hill has some wicked one-punch knockout power, one-punch knock-you-dead power. And that's what I'm going to be excited for because I, I don't you know. I like Jamal Hill. I, you know, he's I, I do like his fighting style. I like everything, what he brings. Also, of course, Glover's a legend. So, I mean, that's that's just an interesting fight. I wouldn't know who to root for. I'd just probably watch this one. But early prediction, man, I mean, because, like I said, Glover has more ways to win, but I feel like Jamal Hill has the more one-punch KO power like could end the fight at any time. And he's a long fighter. He's got long arms. He's, you know, he got devastating power, and he usually does find that chin on, most, on pretty much all his opponents. And uh, I don't know how Glover's chin is still. I mean, 44 years old or so. I mean, he did a great job against Yuri. He did get caught a couple of times. He also caught Yuri. So, I mean, he definitely can be in that firefight. And he does have probably a little bit tighter defense as far as the boxing range. But that fight is going to be fireworks. I mean, Jamal Hill is dangerous. I mean, he can knock out anybody, I think, at 205. He has some serious power. And I'll just watch as a fan on that one. For now, I, I can't really make a prediction. Early prediction, I'm almost leaning Jamal Hill just because of that. But you can't take away from uh, Glover's experience and inside the ox of God and just his well-roundedness, he's rounded every, he's just good everywhere, you know, so, I mean, you can't really take away from that either. Jamal Hill, we haven't seen him in too many, like, compromised positions where he hasn't looked good, but he's, he's, he's able to keep the fight standing where he, you know, where he wants it a lot in the stand-up game, so that one is pretty interesting right there. Uh, tell me what you guys think, who takes that one? Glover, Jamal Hill, the young hungry lion, or the old bat trying to get his uh, his title back. I mean, it's just going to be fireworks in Brazil. That's all I can say. That's another thing. It'll be kind of a home fight for uh, Glover. <clears throat> home fight advantage, home cage advantage, I guess you could say. But a lot of times that seems to put a lot more pressure you know, on guys. I don't know if Glover, you know, he's been around the game for a long time, so I don't know how much pressure he'll be feeling or how he would... Uh, react to that or if that would actually affect him at all but let me know what you guys think uh, early prediction for me is uh i don't know let's just <laughs> have fun and watch that one i don't I, I like i said i like jamal hill i'm leaning his way a little just because i feel that he can turn it into a firefight and you know he might be able to land something big on glover and if he land i think if jamal hill gets anyone hurt man they could be in some serious trouble and I, they might not be getting out of that but glover like i said he's a crafty veteran he has wrestling, jujitsu. So if he does get hurt, maybe hit, maybe he can clinch up and take him, take it to the ground and just stall it out, recover, and and who knows, maybe work for a submission on the ground. I mean, I mean uh, that fight is interesting. So yeah, we'll see what we'll see what happens with that. If that's even going to be finalized, or if that was just Dana, you know, being emotional and pissed off and just going for it at that time, you know, announcing it even though he hasn't really put in a lot of thought of it about it but it kind of does make sense i mean why run this one back if you weren't happy with uh the, the outcome of the fight you know i mean why run it back let the, if they want to run it back again they could do it but it don't have to be for a title so yeah we'll see what happens with that exciting stuff but uh yeah oh back to Ilya toperia and bryce mitchell i was looking forward to this fight bryce mitchell to me he has that jeffrey dahmer thousand yard stare just like, hey, do you want to watch a movie? Type just, just a death stare, just looks you dead in the eye. He was looking at that, and and he definitely has a certain intensity about him. But 
Ilya Tapuria, man, that guy is so talented. We've seen what he did to to Ryan Hall. When Ryan Hall tried to leg lock him, he finished him, destroyed him. And he is just so damn explosive. At 145, this guy, I mean, the sky's the limit. I mean, he's, he, I mean, I was so impressed with this guy. Like, he put it on Bryce Mitchell from the opening. Just totally explosive power on the ground everywhere. We thought Bryce Mitchell was going to have the advantage somewhat, maybe at least where the fight takes place because of his wrestling or his takedown ability. But Ilya Tapuria pretty much dominated, destroyed, devastated, everything you could think of with that. I mean, he, he looked so good in that fight. He looked like just, he outclassed Bryce Mitchell. I mean, maybe Bryce Mitchell took him a little lighter. I don't know. Maybe just Ilya is really that good right now, you know, and just on top of his game, like say explosive as shit, great hands, power on both hands, awesome jujitsu. He's calling out for Brian Ortega next. He wants all the grapplers in the division, which nobody ever wants to fight the grapplers. He wants all the grapplers. So, I mean, that that would be an interesting fight. There's a lot of good matchups right there at 145. And uh, Tapuria is definitely on his way up. He's on the rise. I mean, he made it look easy out there. And Bryce Mitchell was a tough SOB. Like, he goes out there and brings it every time. He's got that farmer strength, you know, that Arkansas-type strength. And he was... He was just he was just overmatched. He was outmatched by Ilya Tapuria. I mean, that guy is just, he's a beast. He's a beast everywhere. I mean, there's a couple other fights I would like to talk about. You know, I did watch most of this card, all finishes, so I definitely sat through pretty much 90% of it. I'm trying to think if there's a fight I didn't miss, but I have to go back and look at the card and talk about it a little better. Billy Q, Billy Quarantillo, he fought Alex Hernandez. Well, Alex Hernandez's first fight at 145. And I thought, I thought Alex looked good, a little sucked up. Uh, I mean, just a little, obviously he looks a little smaller. Maybe that's the right way for him. Maybe not because he was a little thicker at uh, lightweight. But, I mean, uh, Quarantino, he, that guy is just, he just seems to get better as the fight goes on. And his volume and his, he could take a punch and he could just keep coming and keep going. And no matter what you're bringing, he's still right there. You know, that... Because I think he, had, he got cut open. I think both guys got busted. Um, and Alex Hernandez, it just seems like whenever he meets that serious opposition where he might fold later. I mean, I don't even want to talk bad like that because he did look good up until the point, you know, of where he didn't <laughs> until he started getting taken over by Billy. You know, I mean, he came out strong. But also with this weight cut, everyone thinks they want to go down or they're going to be stronger. I think it just zaps their – I think a lot of it is they zap a lot of their uh, cardio – and ability to take punishment down there because I feel like you need that extra weight. Even if you are a little undersized for that division, it might be better than going lower and draining yourself, draining your brain, draining your body. I just don't feel like you're as strong or could take as much damage. And I think it showed a little bit when this fight, like Billy Q, he's right there. He's a big dude. He's tall. He's, he's lanky for that division and definitely had the reach. Or, and actually, no, I think Alex actually had a, he has a long arm, so I think he had a slight reach advantage in that fight. But just saying, just the overall, you know, just limbs, legs, legs, limb, all that. I mean, I think Billy Q had that advantage and just the volume and he don't throw everything on every shot and he's not doing all power, you know, and that was, that was a good fight right there. There was a, there was a bunch of good fights on, there was a plenty of good fights on this. Darren Till, he also fought, he fought against uh, Duplessis, who, was it was a good fight i mean till like i thought he was done in that first round he got 
he got kind of lit up on the feet a bit and then he was got taken down and he was just getting like served like a bunch of punches some on the behind the head maybe here and there but duplessis was just emptying the tank so we thought you know so till actually got you know re looked a little better in the second round had a bit of a comeback but then ultimately uh duplessis was able to finish him in the third round with a submission and uh just able to land bigger stuff on him and just I don't know, just more explosive, faster. I don't know what's up with Till, what's up with his future. He hasn't been looking good for a while. I mean, it was a Wonder Boy fight. That was a close fight. Could have went either way. He got that decision, but I can't remember his last win. Other than that, it's hasn't been looking good. I don't know if he's on his way out or, you know, me and my son were even joking. Does he even train with Kamsat or they just party together and hang out? Because, I mean, it looked like he still didn't really know what to do on the ground a lot, you know, and, uh, yeah, it's 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 tough because Till was a fan favorite for a while. He had a lot of hype on him. It was a, a up and coming prospect. It was ever since uh, Woodley took him out, and then and really Masvidal too. When Masvidal knocked him out, I think that just kind of compromised. I mean, I don't know if it's just a confidence thing or what happened, but it seems like he hasn't been the same ever since. And who knows if he ever will be. So sucks for Darren Till. Um, like Duplessis looks good. He's a beast. He's a huge guy at that weight. Maybe, maybe uh, 185 isn't for Darren Till. Maybe he does need to, you know, get strict on his diet and go down to 170, and maybe he could be better there. We'll see. But uh, yeah, what was another fight? Oh, Joaquin Buckley and uh, Chris Curtis. That was another one that everyone thought would be barn burner fighter of the night type thing. That's because Joaquin Buckley always brings war. He brings. He throws everything into every strike, every shot. So explosive. He definitely looked undersized at 185 compared to Chris Curtis. Curtis looked like huge. He looked like a beast. I mean, so does um, Buckley, but just a little smaller, you know, just a little smaller. I can see him at 70 doing a lot more. You know, 185, he was kind of, he looked undersized to me. And maybe his strikes weren't, like, had the same impact as Curtis. Every time Curtis landed something, even if it was a stiff jab or a straight left, it seemed like it had, it affected, uh, walking Buckley a little bit more and Buckley was just staying busy I think that's what his his thought process on this strategy wise was just to stay busy don't let Chris Curtis do anything just basically be all over him and just constantly throwing strikes best defense good offense type of scenario and uh or game plan and it was working for a while I just it was just kind of hard you're going to do, do that for third three rounds without making a mistake against a crisper cleaner a lot of times he was throwing a lot more Buckley was, but Curtis was had such a good high guard that he was blocking a lot of that. It was either on the arms, I mean, elbows and stuff like that, which still probably hurts. But I would like to see a little bit more diverse striking from Buckley, or at least, honestly, a little bit more feints because it seems like he's all go all the time, and I think that kind of hurts him a little bit because Curtis was able to get his timing down just by if every single time you see him coming forward, he's you know when he's going to strike then you could kind of get that timing and just counter him. And I think that's what happened with Curtis. You know, it's easier said than done when you got a beast like Joaquin Buckley throwing, like, heat at you with everything, throwing fastballs at your face. I mean, you know, I think that a couple feints here and there might have opened things up for him, him for Buckley a little bit more just to get Curtis. Because every time he would faint, I would see Curtis bite, bite on it, but he wouldn't make him pay because right after that, he just, like I said, he's all go all the time, so... 
But yeah, what do you guys think about that? I think Buckley definitely. I think he mentioned on Rogan's podcast he's going to go down to 170. This was last fight at 85. I think that's the best bet for him. I think he's too. I think he's a little undersized for 85, and he's jacked. But I mean, you know, he's like a superhero type body, you know. But I'm just saying, not a lot of body fat. I think he could probably get down to 70. He don't cut much weight to get to 85, and these guys are just huge. Like Curtis look huge there. Jack Hermanson, all these guys are just going to be way taller than him. I think 170 could be the better bet for him and hopefully we'll see so what do you guys think about that buckley at 70 can he do better there what's next for chris uh chris curtis he looked he looked good i mean he looked really good he was rolling with the punches taking what buckley had early and just countered him buckley threw a kick he caught it countered it with the left sat him down and and just basically uh hammer fisted tomahawked him until the referee stopped it he might actually knock buckley in and out a couple times like out back up welcome up then out again but uh, yeah, uh, that'll be it for now. See what's up later.